the glory of God. I love how God does this um, illustration before my message a lot of times. <laughs> and so really, you know, we didn't stop at a certain place because God wants to reveal his glory. He wants to. What does he want to do? He wants to reveal himself to his people. Amen. And not only that, he wants to fill you with his glory. He wants to fill you with himself. So God wants us to see and to know his glory. He wants us to be familiar with him so that we can recognize when he walks into a room. Before uh, service, you know, I know we've got a prayer team praying in the back room there. Our worship team and, and you know, us um, ministers are praying with the worship team downstairs. And, and we, you know, we're covering this place. And, and we just were praying and lifting different things up. And then all of a sudden, just a still silence fills the room. I mean, so strong, you know, you could hear a pin drop, literally. And I just smiled because I know that means Jesus walked into the room. And not only that, I got to see him downstairs. And I, like, I was like, Lord, why are you here? I mean, I'm blessed, but why, why are you here? Why are you visiting us? And he said, well, it starts with you. Because, you know, the worship ushers in his glory. Amen. And so if we do a good job worshiping the Lord and leading you into to, in worship, into his presence with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, then you can reach that place of worship and then therefore from that place of worship go into his glory and experience the glory. And that's what God wants for us every single day of our lives, for us to recognize him and, and see and um, be filled with and acknowledge his glory. Amen. In John 17, 24, Jesus prayed. He said, Father, I want those who you have given me to be where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. This is the heart of Jesus. He wants us to see him. He wants us to experience him. And what that is is really seeing his glory. And seeing where he is at the right hand of the Father. And we talked about it last week, that we're actually seated there, amen? That's where we should be living from. What is the glory of God? I kind of said it already, but I'm going to read my um, definition. The glory of God is the manifestation of God himself, his presence. When the manifestation of God comes into a room, the atmosphere changes. There's a song about that. When his presence comes into a room because of praise and worship, um, when his presence came into the room because of praise and worship after they had brought the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies, things happen. It says a thick cloud filled the room um, and the, play, the priest could not stand to minister because of the glory, the weight of the cloud of the glory of the Lord had filled that place. I've had that before where... The presence of God is so strong. I was like hanging on to the podium for um, dear life. I had to sit on the stage, whatever. But it's so awesome because you, there's no real natural explanation except for that you've touched the heart of God. He has shown up in a powerful way and you can't stand, you know. When people are touched sometimes when they're, uh, some people don't understand that, but when people are touched sometimes and they fall, it's because the weight of the glory of God just sets on them and they can't stand. It's released to them, and they can't stand. 
And so, you know, sometimes people yield to that and, and then they fall and that's, that's a result of that. Um, so I just want to share with you a couple of stories how the Lord taught me a few years back how to recognize when Jesus walks into a room. And the Bible says, out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And he showed me these different illustrations a few years back. And he said, there, now you can go with boldness and declare I've walked into the room. Um, he revealed to me these different uh, times of recognizing his presence. So, um, and I'd have to say about 90% of the time that Jesus walks into the room, something's going on regarding worship or prayer or, you know, the assembling of, of the body of believers to, to worship or pray or spend time with the Lord. Um, usually that's when he shows up, but randomly he can show up wherever he wants, whenever he wants to. <laughs> Amen. But we have been given some keys to where we can touch his heart and just get into his manifest presence and glory regularly. Um, so one experience, I've shared this a few times, but this is, I'm going back because this is how the Lord reminded me. Um, I was in my living room with my two boys and I was teaching them how to, and I had two back then, so that's how far back we're going. Um, I was teaching them how to pray and get into the presence of God and hear the Lord's voice. And so we were just spending some time um, praying in the spirit to see what the Father was saying. And um, then we'd be still and hear what he was saying. Anyways, I'm spending my time with the Lord and I'm praying in the spirit. I just, I just remember them sitting on the couch and I'm praying and I'm getting a message from the Lord. I knew there was an angel next to me giving me a specific message. I opened my eyes and the presence of God had filled that place my living room, and I opened my eyes, and I saw my son Ethan kneeling in front of the coffee table, just raising his hands. He was like nine years old, and he's just bawling and crying and, and just with his hands raised, and I was like, Ethan, what's wrong? I don't know why I said that, but I said, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, nothing. He's like, there's an, and this, I didn't, I didn't see the angel. I knew the angel was next to me because I was getting a message from the Lord, but Ethan's like, nothing's wrong. He said, there's an angel next to you talking to you, and I knew that, so that was, you know, bore witness, and he said, and Jesus is standing right in front of me, like right here, and I got on my knees next to him, and I just started worshiping the Lord, but the Lord reminded me of that because what happened before that was a shift in the atmosphere, that peace, you know, we're praying in the spirit, and all of a sudden that peace comes into the room, and that means he came into the room, Amen. A couple years ago, in Revival MKE, um, when we were hosting it in the, the park pavilion, I was in prayer before the service, and I saw a vision of the Lord Jesus um, preaching that night. He was pacing along with me. He was pacing, and he was the one preaching. And I saw this in a vision before the service, and then my brother also saw in a vision that Jesus was showing up at that service in a supernatural way. And I was like, well, praise the Lord, because I just saw that too. So then we left it alone. And we're worshiping the Lord, and, and God's just really moving. And um, the shift happened. I mean, there was a charge in the atmosphere during the worship. And several people after that service came up to me, told me they saw Jesus. Without me telling them the story of what I saw before the service. And so, I mean, yes, where two or more of us are gathered, he's right there with us. And we can just take that scripture and just believe it all the time. But there is a whole different element when he, like, manifests himself and walks into a room and you start 
seeing or having a revelation of his manifest presence. It's, there's just a whole new level um, to it. In a more recent revival, MKE, here at the church, um, we were in the um, middle of worship, and I saw myself in a vision go back to the, the back doors, the, the foyer doors, and everybody's worshiping. And I'm standing here worshiping, but I saw myself in the spirit go in the back. I open the door, and I escort Jesus into the, the building. And we walked up the aisle, and as we walked up the aisle together, and they didn't know what was going on. I saw this going on in the spirit. Jesus' robe unfolded and went over the entire congregation as he came forward. And the whole place, and, and, and I know this is a scripture, and I'm going to share it, but the whole place was filled with the glory of the Lord. Um, they were covered, the people were covered with the glory of the Lord. Amen? And so I'm telling you those stories to, to say that he has taught me through experience. There's experiential knowledge. And he has taught me through experience when he walks into a room. And he told me I can say with confidence Jesus just walked into the room. Whether I see him, sometimes that happens, and sometimes it doesn't. But you can also feel it in your spirit that there's a shift, that we've come gone from one glory to a new glory. Amen? And so uh, when that shift happens in your prayer time or in a time of worship or whatever, and you sense his presence, then start recognizing, thank you, Jesus, that you're here with us. Thank you, Lord. We recognize your presence. We rec recognize that you've walked into the room. And the more you recognize his presence and the more um, you acknowledge him, the more you're going to start to um, see in the spirit or, or have a revelation of the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord yourself. Amen. Here's that scripture I was talking about. Isaiah 6, 1 says, In the year that King um, Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Amen? And that's like, when that was happening, I was like, wait a minute, I think this is a scripture. I think this is a scripture, what I've seen happen here. And when the train of his robe fills the temple, the glory fills the temple. And we're coming into that new season of place of miracles, and the only reason miracles will happen is because a place is filled with his glory, which means Jesus is there to do his miraculous. Amen? So hallelujah. So when a place becomes filled with the atmosphere of the glory of God, miracles, signs, and wonders are available. Hallelujah. Because he's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the Savior. Hallelujah. Um, I don't know if I'm going to read 2 Chronicles. Yes, I will. 2 Chronicles 5, 7 through 14, it says, The priests carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place. They placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the Ark, forming a canopy over the Ark and its um, carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place, which is the front of the most holy place, but not from the outside. They are still there this day. Nothing was in the ark except for the stone tablets that Moses had placed in, in it at the Mount of Sinai, where the Lord made the covenant with the people of Israel when they left Egypt. Then the priests left the holy place. So they're bringing this ark of the covenant. They left the holy place, and the priests who were present had purified themselves, whether or not it was their duty to do that that day. 
And the Levites, who were musicians, um, I'm not going to say all these names, and their sons and their brothers were dressed in fine linen and stood at the east side of the altar. And what were they doing? They were playing cymbals, lyres, harps. Um, they joined 120 priests who were, that might have that was probably loud, who were playing the trumpets. The trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to, to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words, He is good, and His faithful love endures forever. Okay? So when the, the you know, the temple of God, the ark of God is placed in the holy of holies. You know, we've got this new covenant and, and we are now the temple of the Lord, right? But as they're praising God at that moment, it says a thick cloud filled the temple and the priests could not continue their service or stand to minister because of the cloud for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Amen. Stuff happens when God's presence fills a place. Uh, stuff happens when God's presence fills your temple. Amen. You can both see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, but God wants us, and as Jesus prayed, Father, I want them to know my glory. God wants us to both see and reflect and know his glory, which I just told you is him. It's his manifest presence. It's him showing up in a room to talk to you, to reveal something to you by his spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, I'm not going to go over this, but you can write it down for Samuel 4. 14 through 22. It's the story about right, right where uh, Samuel has to deliver this message to, to Eli about what's happening. His sons were kind of evil, but they're priests. And um, anyways, the Israelites lose the glory of the Lord because they lose the Ark of the Covenant because they thought, even though we're in sin, we're going to carry this Ark with us, and that means that we'll win the battle. But God does not honor sin, Okay. So the glory didn't really work for the ones who are living in sin. See, we got to come into his presence, and, and the Lord says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Like, we, we need to, to cleanse ourselves and, and, and enter in through the blood of Jesus and, and allow him to, to forgive us and cleanse us and then come into that holy place. Amen? And so in this situation is pretty traumatic but Samuel had delivered this message to Eli that he his sons the family was going to die and Eli was like let it be done unto me he dies a horrible death <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it um, so he falls over dead the sons die in battle and uh, the ark of covenant is stolen the glory of God and then the daughter-in-law has a baby and dies in childbirth and she calls her son Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. Um, later on, the, the glory, the Ark of the Covenant is returned to Israel. And I believe just like that picture, and the reason I'm going over that, because just like that picture, the earth is groaning for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. In Matthew 5.16, um, is that right? Matthew 5.16 or is it 16.5? Um, 
It says, let your light shine before men so that they may know your Father in heaven. What light? It's the glory of God. Let it shine. Let it be revealed to the world so they know that our God is God. Let them have a revelation of who he is. How? By us revealing him. Amen? We can expect an increase in these last days. And I'm going to show you that from the word of God. And we're rolling into that right now. We are rolling in. Actually, it says in the last days, you know, God will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below. Why? Because his return is very soon. And he is going to, I 100% know this, he's going to reveal himself in such a powerful way. Why? He doesn't want anybody to miss it. He wishes that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. So what does that mean? He's going to come with a mighty force, and he's going to reveal himself in a powerful way. How is he going to do that? Through you and I. He's going to do that through you and I. He's going to do that through you and I, shining the glory of the Lord through us, letting our light shine before men. We are the temple of the living God. Hallelujah. Haggai 2, 6 through 9 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord God Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the former glory, says the Lord of Almighty. And this is the place I grant peace, declares to you the Lord Almighty. And then Habakkuk 2.14 says, For as the waters fill and cover the sea, so the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. That cannot happen unless we come to the awareness of what is the glory of God and when is the glory of God coming into the room. There has to be a believer that comes to know that we are not destroyed for a lack of knowledge, but we know when our Savior has walked into the room. How are they going to know if we who are believers don't even know? How can we shine a light if we're not even getting filled up with the light? We need to be taught on the steps. We hear songs, enter into his presence with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, and we sing along and, you know, not realizing that this is the path to be filled with the glory of the Lord so that the world can know and see that our God is God. So, it's a little bit of a responsibility. But his yoke is easy and his burden's light. And I'm going to show you how easy. It's almost so easy that it's like you could miss it. We love God, therefore we come to church. Or we read our Bible, or we spend time in prayer, or we do good to others. But you could make even a stronger impact if you were so full of the glory of God that it was just coming out of you like rushing torrents of life-giving water. 
Romans 8, 18 through 22 says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Where? In us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. They're waiting for us. They don't even know what they're groaning for. They're waiting for us to reveal Jesus through us. They're waiting for us to finally stop worrying about this thing and that thing in this world because this life is for but a moment. It's going to pass away. They're waiting for us to shine our light for all men to see Jesus. This is how they'll come to the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The whole earth waits for the glory that's revealed in us. For the creation was subject to futility, not willing, but because of him who subject it to hope, because the creation also will be delivered from, this is the reason why they're groaning, because they will also be delivered from bondage and corruption. They will be liberated just as we, the children of God, are liberated. For we know that the whole earth the whole creation groans and labors with pains together until now. Why? Because the revelation's being released right now. No more can you leave this place and say, I'm destroyed for lack of knowledge. I didn't know. Because I'm telling you how to recognize the glory of the Lord, and I'm telling you how to get into his presence to where he fills you with the glory of the Lord so that then, therefore, you are a container of the glory of the Lord. So that when people see you, they see him. It's a really serious job. If we fail to do our job, they fail to see Jesus. Why are we so consumed with the things of this world? He said, you've been raised to a new life in Christ. Therefore, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Your real life is in Christ. In Exodus 34, 29 through 35, this is the old glory. But look at how powerful the old glory is. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was unaware, because he had been spending time with the Lord, he was unaware that his face had become so radiant from speaking with the Lord. Aaron and all the Israelites looked at Moses and beheld his face was radiant. They were afraid to approach him. Something should be different about you. If you've been with Jesus, people should recognize there's something different about you because you've been with Jesus. If they don't, you look too much like the world. Some of you are choking on your noodles. Sorry. (laughs) It wasn't pretty when they puked up their noodles. I'll give you some milk later, but 
try to chew on this. Moses called out to them, so Aaron and all the leaders and all the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke, spoke to them. After all this, the Israelites came near, and Moses commanded them, do everything that the Lord has told you to do on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. When he came out, um, he would tell the Israelites what had been commanded. And the Israelites would see, again, that his face, the face of Moses was radiant. So Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. The former glory was so on Moses that people could see he had been with the Lord. And that's the former glory. That's not even being the temple. And now we are the temple of the living God. Now Christ lives within us, the hope of glory, the revealing, um, and, and what the earth is groaning for is the revelation of the glory of God in us. How much are you allowing God to fill your life? When we sing, all to Jesus I surrender, all to thee I freely give, are you really giving it all to him? Because he wants to fill every space and he wants to fill every place. Why? So that you're a vessel consumed, filled with his glory, so that your light can shine brighter for men to see. So they can know you've been with Jesus. So they can know the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? If the former glory was upon Moses' face and it revealed God, how much greater is this latter glory? This is what the earth is groaning for, for the revelation of the sons of God to be revealed. Jesus in us, the king of glory. If you're taking notes, Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you the hope of glory. This is the dispensation that we're in where Jesus lives in us. And that he doesn't walk this earth anymore. And it's not before like Moses where before he even, you know, got to experience Jesus. No, we've had all that stuff happen. And now this is where we're at. Jesus lives in us. And we're to reveal to the world Christ in us. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 18 the old way with his laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such a glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face had shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect a far greater glory under this new way? Now that the Holy Spirit is giving life, if the old way brings condemnation and that was glorious, how much more glorious is this new way which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory compared to this new glory was not glorious at all. So if the old way which has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever. There's not going to be a new glory after this new glory. <laughs> this is it. 
Since the new way gives such confidence, we now can be very bold. We are not like Moses who needs to put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds then were hardened. But, um, and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers the mind so that they cannot understand the truth. This veil can be removed only by believing in Christ Jesus. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil so that they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us, you could say all of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, all of us who have had the veil removed, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. The Word proves it right here. You as a child of God, just like Jesus prayed, Father, I want them to know my glory. This is what God wants in this last day. He wants you to know, recognize his glory, and he also wants you to reflect his glory. God is all over that. This is how the knowledge of the glory of the Lord and how Jesus is going to be known all over the place. Believe it or not, some people don't know yet. Even here, they don't know that Jesus is the only way to heaven, unless you tell them, unless you get bold about it and reveal the glory. We can both see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is his, the Spirit, this is what happens when we're in the glory. The Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. I remember a story um, Brother Hagen told about him going to minister to someone um, that was on their deathbed in a coma. And he stood over that person and he spoke and commanded them to live and not die. Well, they did live. They came out of it. And, uh, you know, so he goes and revisits them and says, um, did, you, did you hear me pray over you or whatever? And they said, no. Jesus showed up, and he spoke over me. But yet Jesus was in him. Jesus was in him. So Jesus did speak over him, yet through the vessel of Brother Hagin, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So a couple of years ago, the Lord told me, focus on my glory. Why? Because it's the glory of God that's going to reveal him to the world. If we don't reveal Jesus to the world, they may not know him. And what better way to reveal him than through us? That's why he wants us to offer our bodies as a holy living sacrifice the kind he finds acceptable, because he wants you to be a vessel fit for his use, a vessel that fits him, his glory. He says he doesn't put new wine into old wineskins. Why? It would crack, it would burst open. No, so you, so you renew yourself. You allow him to wash you clean. You put on those new garments <laughs> of righteousness. 
And then he fills you so you can contain that glory, so you don't burst open. We're to focus not on his gifts and miracles, even though he says desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Yes, we want to be operating and desiring those things, but that's not the number one thing. The thing is, is those are byproducts of having the glory of the Lord. They will happen automatically if you're a host for the Holy Ghost. Wherever he is, there is his gifts. There is his miracles, signs, and wonders. When he walks into the room, so yeah, we desire him to move, but he's not going to move without him. So then focus on the glory. Because he is the one who heals, delivers, saves, set free, amen, and moves by his spirit and power. The Lord said, this is an assignment from the Lord, and if we fail to do it, we fail the assignment. What's the assignment? That you be filled with the glory of the Lord. And that you acknowledge both see and reflect the glory of God. Remember, 2 Corinthians 3.18, all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. The Lord who is his spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed, one version says, from glory to glory, into his image, into his likeness. We have a choice to make. Will we allow him to fill us? Or will we be distracted by uh, lust for other things? You know? I mean, we can enjoy this life he blessed us with. He wants us to. But we can also be so filled with his glory that enjoying this life looks different through his eyes. We don't do things that please the flesh. We now only do things that please the Father. How can we reflect his glory? How can Christ be revealed in us? James 4.8 tells us, draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. Just like Moses, he was spending time with the Lord 40 days up there in the mountain. He ended up looking like God. The glory of God shone upon him. When you spend time with someone, sometimes you pick up their mannerisms, you pick up their lingo. Sometimes it's not so good because bad company corrupts good manners, right? So you got to watch who you're hanging out with. But when you hang out with God and you draw close to him and he draws close to you, you're going to start looking and sounding like God. You're going to start recognizing when he's speaking and you're going to start recognizing when he walks into a room because you're familiar yourself because you've spent time with him. Smith Wigglesworth said this, and I love this phrase. I have a sweatshirt that says this phrase. It says, less of me, more of him. None of me, all of him. How much do you want to reveal him? We're to lay this life down. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God as a holy living sacrifice. Remember, your life is not your own. It's been bought with a price. Now your real life is hidden in Christ. What is that life? It's to reveal his glory. It's to reveal the way. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God for all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the true way to worship him. He considers that worship. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. How? From glory to glory. 
Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Offer your body as a vessel. Lay down your life to do what pleases him. It was Matthew 5, 16. In other words, let your light shine before men. So that, why? Why should we reveal the glory of God? So that they may know our Father in heaven. Amen. How do we do that? 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If you keep yourself pure, you will be that special utensil for honorable use. You will be that new wineskin for him to fill. That's why the priests, um, they did this ceremonial cleansing, even though it wasn't their day to serve. And then the glory of God filled the house. I don't care if you're not assigned to be on the worship team. When you come into the house of God, why not prepare yourself to let him fill you up? Why not cleanse your, your, yourself and, and, and confess your sin so that he can be faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you so that you can present yourself as a, a vessel fit so that he can fill you up so that then you can go out there and shine forth his glory? You might say, how can I get into God's presence and be filled with his glory? And I want to go over that with you because this is so important. We lead you by example here, hopefully. But from this place, you're to go to your own homes, your own car, your own daily routine or whatever, and you should be able to get into the glory of God to where his presence is being manifest. Psalms 100, 1 through 4 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. And this is how. Come before his presence with singing. He likes singing. He puts a new song in your heart. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, and it is he that hath made us. We are not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. So how do you get close to God? How do you draw close to the king of kings, the king of glory? You enter in through praise and thanksgiving. And you do it joyfully. I guess I'll serve God. I guess I'll worship you today. He doesn't want that. Sit in your pew. He wants you to worship him joyfully because he deserves it. He wants you to praise him. And by doing that, you're drawing close to God. Amen. And then Hebrews 14.6 tells us, and I speak about this quite a bit, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy we will find grace to help us in our time that we need it the most. So once we've entered in, we come boldly and confidently to that throne room. And at that place, we'll receive everything that we need. Once you've reached that throne room, by entering in through praise and worship, you can start praising, you can start worshiping him. 
giving honor to who honors do. Telling him, like we were singing from our hearts, uh, that he is holy, he is holy, he is worthy, he is worthy. Singing a new song in our heart, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Uh, you don't have to have a scripted song. Hum it, whistle it, you know. Um, um, do the best you can do to just pour it out from your heart. Pour your love upon the Lord. Do you ever wake up with a song, whether it's your song that God gave you or some old worship song, sing it. God, the Holy Spirit in you is giving you the key to enter into his presence that day. I'm serious. In my sleep, I had that, that, that um, awesome dream of the glory of God filling the sanctuary and people are coming to, to receive impartations and this and that. And I was singing a song very clearly that said, it's your presence, it's your power, it's your glory. It's your presence, it's your power, it's your glory. And he was giving me a song. Sing that song. Pastor Nick mentioned this the other day and I looked it up. In the Lord's Prayer, the Lord teaches us how to pray. The Lord teaches us how to, how to receive. He said, after this manner, pray, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So you're coming into that throne room. You're entering in through praise and worship. You're coming into that throne room to receive your daily bread, what it is you need. Forgive us our debts, he gives you, cleanses you, makes you righteous. As we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation, he strengthens us, imparts to us, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The hallowed be your name part right at the beginning of that passage is it means to ask God to let him be worshipped, to be exalted, to be honored, to be adored on earth as it is in heaven. Again, it's a key to entering in to that holy place. You worship, you adore the Lord. And when you worship and adore the Lord, he can't help but show up. He can't help but manifest his glory and manifest his presence. He's touched. When you touch the heart of God, he shows up. It's an ingredient you enter in through praise and worship. Once you're in, and you come in boldly then because you're praising him, you come in the way a king should, you should approach a king is by thanking and praising him. You get into that throne room, you kneel before the Lord, you bow before the Lord, you raise your hands before the Lord, and you worship him. Hallowed be your name. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Amen? So coming into the throne room, we worship him. So if you're going one, two, three, <laughs> number one, you enter in by praise and thanksgiving. Number two, once you're in his presence, you worship the king of kings. Hallowed be your name. Number three, when he manifests, this is very key, some people stop right there. And they're missing out on the infilling of his glory. 
Number three, when he manifests his presence, his glory, just be still and know he is God. When he walked into the room downstairs, I think we spent five, ten minutes sitting in the stillness. Because he came to fill you. He came to impart to you. He came to speak to you, or he came to heal you or set you free. Whatever the, whatever the case, if the king walks into a room, silence yourself so that you can hear what it is he's saying. So when he manifests his presence, his glory, just be still and know he is God. The Lord spoke to me this a few years back. He said, it's in this place that God fills you with himself. As I laid that day in his presence, he told me, many find this to be such a hard task, to wait, to be still. Some of us want to get our phone out. It's too quiet. Some of us want to play the music. Some of us want to, um, yeah. But no, he says, be still. And he said, so many find this such a hard task, but it is where we would find joy unspeakable and be filled with his glory. How do you get filled with his glory? Well, you got to approach the king first. Then you got to sit at his feet and worship him because he deserves it. Why wouldn't you? And then when he decides to, and his heart is touched, and he decides to manifest his presence and power, sit, be still. Psalms 46.10, I believe, says, Be still and know I am God. Sit in his presence and let him pour into you. Let him fill you up. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8 is where it says, Joy, when God spoke that to me, I didn't realize that that means you're full. That this, your joy of the Lord, it comes from God. Your joy comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from a human. It doesn't come from a circumstance. Your joy comes from the Lord, you know? And when you're full of him, you're full of his strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, how can somebody be filled with that? You get filled with him. You get filled with him. Let him fill you. He said, it's where you would find joy unspeakable and be filled with his glory. And I just want to give you two passages. Like, why is it productive to sit? Because he said, so many find this such a hard task. Why is that productive? It seems very unproductive. And Clayton took a picture of me a couple weeks ago, and he t texted it to the team, some, some people. <laughs> I don't remember who. Um, and I, he walked in, and I'm laying on the bed. I wish they had, had it to pop up on the screen. But I'm laying on the bed, and I ha it's kind of cold in my room, so I had a blanket. And then I have a circle pillow that I was leaning my head against the bed because we don't have a backboard. So I was leaning my head on this pillow. But when he walked in, he said it looked like so perfect, like a, like a halo <laughs> behind me, and I'm sitting there like this. I wasn't sleeping. I, that's my prayer, you know, that's my prayer position. I was just being still. He has it. I was just being still in the presence of the Lord. And you walk in, it looks super unproductive. But God's presence had filled the room, and I know when to still myself. Because that is the goal. 
to touch the heart of God to where he manifests himself. If we haven't done that in a service, we haven't met or haven't reached the place where we're going to be changed. Do you understand? We're not coming here just to check something off a list that we, we did our time and, and we worship God and yeah, 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 that's all great. But the thing is, is we're not going to be changed from glory to glory unless we meet his glory. That's why there are so many secular Christians out there. They are not encountering his glory. It's not in my notes. <laughs> Isaiah 40 29 through 31 says, He gives power to the faint, and to them who have no might, he increases strength. Even youths, doesn't matter your age, will become faint or weary, and young men will fall in exhaustion. This is exactly what I just said. You might be a believer. You might have Christ in you. You might be going to heaven. But if you don't wait upon the Lord and let him renew your strength, you too can fall. How does that happen? How can he fill you? How can he strengthen you? You must wait upon the Lord, and he will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. So it's in that still place when he comes in that he fills you with that strength. He fills you with that grace. He imparts to you that life or that joy, which is your strength. You're filled with his glory. Then not only um, does the glory seen on your face, but the glory of the Lord fills you. It rises upon you, the word of God says. When Jesus was on his way to heaven, he's instructing his disciples how to be filled with his glory. What do we do? How can we walk this earth in the power? That you walked. And he says in Luke 24, 49, Behold, I'm sending you the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry. Another version says, but wait in the city of Jerusalem. And you will be endued with power from on high. What is wait? It's to stay where one is. Or to delay action, if it looks like me, <laughs> delay action until something happens. That's huge. Too many of us are on such a time crunch. We're not giving God the allotted time. Or if we are, we're so in a box that we're not letting him go past this half an hour that we usually do our devotions to encounter the glory of the Lord. So then we're not transformed into his glorious image. Therefore, we're stumbling and we're falling at every temptation, every distraction, every detour. We end up taking it and we're not becoming his glorious image. We're not going to fulfill the plan of God in that, that way. But again, I say, this is easy. It sounds difficult, but it's easy. Enter in through praise and worship. Put on your favorite two praise songs and whatever touches your heart to touch the heart of God. Just praise him and worship him. 
in gladness. Praise him in your bedroom, in your car. Whatever your prayer closet is, praise him from the top of your lungs. Look stupid to the car next to you. I don't care. Praise him. Then once you know you've praised him, start worshiping him. God, you deserve our worship. God, you know, put on a worship song. But then let worship come from your heart and sing to him a new song. Once you know you've touched the heart of God and he comes into the room, the car or the bedroom or wherever it is you are, give him time and just be still. Because as you wait, it says you're waiting until something changes, something happens. You're waiting and you're allowing him to fill you with his glory. Sometimes he might show you something. Sometimes he might give you a scripture. Sometimes it seems nothing has happened, yet you know according to the word you've drawn close to him. He's drawn close to you. You've, you've hungered and thirsted after him. Therefore, he's filling you. The word is working in you. He is filling you up so that you're a vessel filled with his glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. You can leave that time with the Lord. You can leave here this morning, but then you can go from glory to glory every day from being with him. And you can leave that place and say, Christ is in me, the hope of glory. What's the hope? The hope is for the world to see Jesus in you. The hope is for you to let your light shine, let your glory shine before men so that they may know your father in heaven. Moses was not bold. He put a veil over his face because they were telling him to. But we can with boldness reveal the glory of the Lord. Let it shine. Don't cover it up. Don't become like the world and cover it up that way. But let it shine. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. So once you're in the presence of God, God wants you to wait. God wants you to be still and know he is God. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's just go ahead and close our eyes for a minute. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the instruction and the teaching of your word. We thank you, Lord. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is alive and active. Father, I just ask you, Lord, open up our eyes to see. Open up our ears to hear, Lord, what it is you're saying. Remind us, Holy Spirit, bring back to our remembrance the things that you've spoken to us today by your spirit, Lord. Let it ring in our ears Draw us by your spirit away with you, God, to spend time with you so that you can fill us with your glory. Just as Jesus prayed, Father, I pray for your people, for a release of the spirit of revelation, Lord, that we would see, encounter your glory, acknowledge your glory, and reflect, be filled and reflect your glory. Father, I just thank you today that you have filled your people with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord so that your glory can cover this earth. Lord, let us see your face. Let us see your glory. And let your glory fill us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hallelujah.